You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Page to Stage. A conversation with theater makers. We're your hosts. That's Brian. And that's Mary. This episode is part of our series on Chicken and Biscuits, a new play by Douglas Lyons. In this series, we uncover the process behind the play through our central question. How has this play fed your soul? We hope you enjoyed this episode. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hi, my name is Jalen Levingston, and I am the director of Chicken and Biscuits. Welcome. We said just off air that we've been we've chatted with three other people on the creative team, and they've all had amazing things to say about you. So we're pumped to be talking with well, you this morning. I'll them later. <laughs> <laughs> so when we were talking with Douglas in our first episode of this mini series, we learned that he sent you the script for Chicken and Biscuits after meeting you at a Britain and the Sting concert. Uh, what was your memory of that night meeting Douglas and how did this relationship form in which now you're directing one of his plays on Broadway? Yeah, I mean, it's it's actually a pretty significant memory because not just one of his plays I'm directing on Broadway, it is 
the the fully realized version of what was three years ago, 25 pages that was sent to me after meeting him at this Britain and the Sting concert, which happened very kind of organically. We were standing by each other. Hey, what's your name? What's your name? What do you do? Oh, you write plays. Oh, you direct. Oh, you should send me something. Okay, cool. And he sent me what... Uh, is now chicken and biscuits. Douglas made a point to say that he only writes a few pages at a time. Yes. And then asks people to read it, whether it's actors, whether it's directors or other creative team, friends even. Um, So was that something that you were used to or were you used to reading fully, not even fully fleshed out, but fully written, you know, plays um, or musicals um, before kind of making a decision? Um. It wasn't so much that writing in pieces uh, was unusual for me, but it was how willing Douglas always was to bring actors into the conversation as early as possible, probably because he is also a performer and kind of understands the value of um, that mindset that sometimes goes undervalued in a developmental process. Um, and so what I had never experienced was here's 10 new pages. Now let's call, of our, call all of our friends and uh, they'll read this thing that's not completely done yet. You know, this very vulnerable act of process. But he works off of people probably better than anyone I've ever met. And so it actually is part of his writing process to be using um, as big of a room as possible, which is really exciting. So how does his process meet your directing process in terms of, uh, in terms of the whole storytelling? Because I would assume when you go into a project as a director, uh, you want to know the full story. Did he have a full outline or were those first pages that he showed you really just like the first section of the play? And then if it was only a first section of the play, how did you guys discuss, what were those discussions like about what the play would eventually become, what you wanted from it, what he wanted from it? I would say that if I remember correctly, I'm like, okay, rewind three years. Um, But I'm pretty sure he had a very good idea of where the play was going, even at the beginning. So it, I, I know that in our initial conversation, I heard the entire story. But yeah, it started as as this first kind of initial pass at it. And, you know, I think something that I have told myself this entire process from the very beginning of the process to now is that my job is to direct the play and not let any kind of vision of ambition cloud what the play actually wants to be. And I think that's just the way that I want to be as a director in general. And so my kind of way of making sure I don't do that is making sure I can get as inside of the playwright's head as possible. And so I love having the playwright in the room. I love having the playwright talking. I love talking after, before, whatever we need to do. Um, Because for a very significant chunk of the process, that's the person that's going to know more about this thing we're all making than anyone else in the room. And if we tend to the very important beginnings of that process correctly, then there'll be a gracious pass off of knowledge 
to where there's a time in which I may know more about the play than anyone else in the room, but that really it's all in the service of saying one day, okay, this company of actors know more about this thing we're making than anybody else in the room. And so, you know, it starts working really, 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 really closely with Douglas as, as a way of being able to eventually not even have to be that close to each other and just know and vibe and feel each other's energy. We always laugh because we <laughs> never talk about what we're going to wear and we show up wearing the same color palette um, all the time. I guess that isn't also to say that there isn't a individual artistic agenda. And I think whatever that is, is triggered pretty early on. And so I think that selfishly, once I read the play, and saw how funny it was, I wanted to be responsible of creating a space wherein that kind of comedy could be released. And then for me, I guess everything comes back to, did they laugh? Did they feel that? Did they laugh? Did they feel that? And that's the barometer that we use to make sure that the story works, basically. And it's a joyous one as opposed to one that burdens us, which can be unusual when given the opportunity to make art that is reflective of the Black experience. Do you use that barometer, whether it's those two questions or another two set of questions for all of your directing work that you've done? Or is that just something that you found that's very helpful in this particular process? I think it's helpful for this particular process. You really have to like trust your own sense of humor and comedy and instinct and wit when making a comedy because for so long you won't have an audience. So being able to explicitly ask yourself of the room, is that funny? Did it work? Did you feel that um, is important? But I think primarily every gig asks its own questions and, um, yeah, I guess I primarily see my job as one to uncover what the what the right questions are to ask in a process. Do you feel like you have to be funny to direct a comedy in some capacity? <laughs> or do you just need to know the the components and the recipe for what audiences find comical? I think you have to be funny. And I think you have to be funny because the comedic aspect of the play has to evolve dramaturgically with every other aspect of a play, you know? So you have to be someone who can help push the comedy forward, who can, you know, help identify what needs to be punched up or punched down. I I couldn't conceive an unfunny person making a comedy, I guess. But I think more importantly, one has to be able to identify the funny in everyone else. And that is probably maybe different than just being funny, but being able to see what particularly makes a a specific person funny. And I imagine, I mean, we can maybe dive more into casting now or later, but when you're looking for actors who can either portray like a single track or someone who might cover multiple, who might cover multiple tracks, trying to figure out does, does their funny match the rest of the company's funny, especially when you get into replacing um, uh, actors. Um, I, I want, what does that look like? Is that, you find that any more difficult? Is that, does that really just become like seamless as you get going? Well, I can talk about it specifically from the perspective of chicken and biscuits, because I think we, we wanted actors in the room who we knew could bring a certain palette of comedy with them right to paint with that these weren't just blank canvases but these were like fully formed 
kind of, you know, unicorns is how I think of uh, these actors. And so when that's the spirit of the initial casting, it actually kind of, I think, frees up how to think about covering, how to think about replacements or whatever. Um, Because then what we're trying to do is just find another unicorn, which is its own challenge because there's not a lot of unicorns in the world. But when you find one, they're perfectly free to be their own individual, specific, distinctive self. And our covers are that. They you know, are within the kind of vibe and energy of, of the, you know, uh, principal cast there. Um, but they're their own individual unique artists who I think get to show their specific tools um, in the show in their own way, which doesn't always happen. I'm sure we could talk for hours because you guys have been developing this play for so long, but just to fast forward to the Broadway production and um, talk about, the brand new design team that you guys have. Uh, what goes into the conversations when selecting a new design team for a new uh, remounting of a production, right? Or would you call this a remounting from Queen's Theater or do you consider this its own thing? I, I, I would say that it's its own thing. I think we think of it as a return for sure because COVID shut down our original workshop production um, a, a couple of weeks into our run or a few weeks into our run. But this is the first time we've actually gotten the chance to actually really mount it. So then were your goals in selecting your team for this production? There was a feeling that I get, you know, when I look at designers or I'm into their work, there's just like a vibe that I hear people speak and I'm like, oh, I know we would speak the same language. So that's like a kind of general sense of things. But with this team, I just wanted to be inspired and I wanted to pick people who I was fans of. And um, I wanted to show that there were so many people out there who are ready for this moment who are just not being looked at for this moment. Um, and so there was a political agenda to the the team I picked as well. I wanted an all black design team because I had never seen it on Broadway before. Um, and so I wanted to see it, I wanted to make it. And so it was that. And, and ultimately, you know, I think about um, George C. Wolf kind of talks about musical theater works best when people bigger than the form come into the form and have to push against the form. And ultimately, I think everyone on my design team are people who are bigger than the form, who I'm asking to come into the form and push against it. And I think it's part of why the experience of Chicken and Biscuit feels so specific when you're in the theater. I think one of my favorite stories, I mean, this was just last night for for me and Brian, but was hearing Lawrence share um, the moment that he got, you know, the call from you and the the conversation that, you know, transpired. And then after you asked him if he was if he was available, then you let it know. Then you let him know that it was a Broadway contract. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the way he tells it is was amazing, and I literally got goosebumps. I didn't. I don't think I told him that in the moment, but I literally got goosebumps because it was just the. He was so passionate about obviously his craft and what he does. He told us many times that he loves what he does, um, and then to have the opportunity where he actually missed your original call and wasn't going to call you back right away. <laughs> 
<laughs> and it was a life-changing moment for him. So you can easily tell. I mean, I haven't seen the show yet. We're seeing it this weekend. Brian has already seen it, though. Um, just how, I mean, from the photos that I've seen, it's it looks beautiful and not just scenic, but like the whole production from costumes, from the actors, from, you know, just the photos that I've seen of just the placement of where everything takes place. And um, it is very clear that of what you just said about who, how you pick and who you've picked to, to do this. And I also think that, you know, representation on this, on the stage and off the stage is a huge reason why we started this podcast was to, to show people that there are way more jobs out there in the theater industry than just what you see on stage or just what you are experienced from high school, if that's where you start. Um, and the fact that you're able, now that you have the power in the situation, that you're able to bring those people with you is is amazing. We've heard from from Douglas, Twee, and Lawrence just how quickly things happened, um, especially even some of the, the the final casting. I know that it was Douglas was in in California in June, right before you guys announced, and like one of the last casting happened there. Um, so, what were those earlier conversations um, before, maybe, or were there any early conversations prior to Hunter, prior to choosing, or even knowing that Circle in the Square was a possibility? Were you discussing future productions? Um, I guess I'm speaking to you probably. I guess earlier this year. <laughs> Um, like, were you looking towards anything? Were you just kind of just waiting to see what happens next? Yeah, I think the hope was always that it would come back somehow. You know, I think that was the most we could hope for with the information we had. And so, you know, there was never a sense that it, the story was finished. But I don't think um, we were thinking Broadway <laughs> at that moment. Um, and definitely not that immediate. Um, and I think there were for a while conversations about trying to find uh, a house that was off Broadway um, and remounting the show that way uh, with some producing partners. Um, and then this this opportunity popped up and kind of very quickly decisions had to be made, but I feel like everyone stepped into the process on the same foot. And so though it's been fast and furious, it's been relatively smooth um, because I think we just all were more ready for this to happen than we thought we were. Mm. And was there anything that you particularly learned from this quick process? I mean, it, it's hard to compare maybe production, even if it's not Chicken and Biscuits to Chicken and Biscuits. It could be other works that you've directed. Um, but because of how <laughs> how fast everything happened, was there anything that you learned about yourself as a director? That, you know, I did not go to school for directing. I went to school for performing. I didn't know that I was going to be a professional director this early in my career. I thought you were supposed to act for a very long time and then someone knocks on your door and says, now you get to direct. And for a long time, I made theater that had to be made in two weeks with $7, basically. And I think what this process has taught me is the fast kind of decision-making um, that one has to be able to make when you're working on low-budget theater, off-off-off-Broadway theater, even community theater, uh, 
um, the kind of flexibility you have to have, the kind of patience with actors you have to have, the kind of, you know, willingness to throw something completely away because resources say that you just can't do that. And, you know, you, you actually just get a broomstick now <laughs> that it actually prepared me, I think, as much as I could be prepared for the kind of quick decision making and leadership that it takes to to lead a, a Broadway company. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of Page to Stage. This episode is part one of a two-part episode with today's guest. Check back next week for part two. To keep up with us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Page to Stage Podcast. Until next time. That's Brian. That's Mary. We'll see you later. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.